0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources.
1: So I really wanted to address our youth ministry when a couple weeks ago the youth leaders were sharing with me that um, 90% of our youth have not had a father's positive influence. Either no father in the house or don't know who their fathers are. And I said, wow, that's huge. And I don't know um, if, Jared, did you know this morning what I was preaching on? Well, you opened the service. This is is how Jesus does this. And I, Yeah. yeah, Holy Spirit. It's about the father heart of God. And in fact, one of the quotes is about Abba. The Aramaic term, Abba, means daddy. And so we just saw him say, he had to have read my sermon. Yeah. He started with the whole, and it's like, so I always get excited when the Lord has already put the agenda all together. So, tighten up here a little bit. Thank you. That should be better. So, all of the youth, do you have a copy? We, we did it both in Spanish and English. So, if you needed a Spanish version, we have that. But the English version... What I want to speak to you today about is the father heart of God. And first I want to start with letting you know that from the beginning, it's always been about family. It's always been about family. In fact, it was why did they, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1. Let's turn there. If you've got a Bible or you've got your phones, turn with me. The first book of the first chapter in the first verse. In the beginning, right? <laughs> Might as well start right where it begins. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. And then it goes on and it says... He created, he created, he created. But I want you to look at verse 26, Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us. Now, who's the us? At this point, there's no humans on earth. He's created the creation, but there is not a human being on earth yet. So who's the us? He says, let us... Create man in our image. You notice the our and the us, that's more than one. So we know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, it says the Spirit was hovering over the creation He had made. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, us, we're going to create men and women in our image. Now that's huge. He wanted you so much. He wanted you so specifically. says, we're going to create. And then it goes on. It says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. And the image that God created in him, male and female. So he created male and female. I want you to see. It's tight. I don't know what's going on here. Tell you what, let's just kill that, Jim. I'll go with it. Hello? No, I'm going to stay right here and I want to talk to the, I'm talking to the youth. I'm focused on the youth. If if you're wondering why I'm over here, I love you all, but I'm really focused right here today, okay? I I love you all, but I do. But I wanted to deliver this message directly because I really believe there's an important message to our youth. I want you to know it's always been about God's family. God has always been about, he's going to have a family. He's going to have a family. But the devil has always been about destroying the family. If you step back today, in fact, it is all over the place. Look what the devil has been trying. The divorce rate is rampant. People are living together, not married. The enemy has brought about all this legislation. Talks about, well, you can be gay. You can be transgender. You can be fluid. You can wait. It was crazy. The other night, somebody stood. Well, I think this white man said, well, I believe that I'm a Filipino woman, I'm like going, you just, what? There's the point now, legally, you can declare yourself, some of else thought they were a horse. I mean, this is beyond bizarre. It is beyond bizarre. But it is put into place, this whole thing about trans, no, God made you male and female. Let there be no chaos or confusion about any of this. It has been the devil's plan to destroy marriages, destroy family, destroy love, destroy identity. He's been after that the whole time. And he's working it now. we got all these confused politicians that are working. Is, God is going to have his way, and they're going to answer to God for it. But the book says, in the beginning, God made us, in his image, male and female. So you celebrate who you are. The devil's always been about destroying your identity He doesn't want you to know who you are. So I want to back this up. And it says, if you look at the top of your outline, the Father heart of God. If you will give your heart to the Father, He will make it all work out. Did you hear what I said? If you will give your heart, to the Father, He will make everything work out. And I don't care where you've come from, and I don't care how broken or how bad it got, or how bad it can get, God has got a plan. Now, I'm going to share a little bit with you, but I we could stand them up here. I know LJ shared his testimony at times about, Growing up, not knowing fathers. Some of you have had fathers in the house. I've done thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of ministries in different continents and here of people that were raised with no fathers in the house, no mothers in the house. I don't know whom. I just prayed with a little seven-year-old girl a couple weeks ago. I don't know who my mama and daddy is. She was, mama, they said, had, was on drugs. A little African-American girl adopted by a white couple who love her. And she's come. She's seven. And she goes, I don't know who my mommy is, and I don't know who my daddy is, and I don't know why they didn't want me, but I know God gave me this mommy and daddy. Man, it was, man, I was in tears. I was, came home, I told my wife, I said, man, I just prayed with a little girl today. I don't care where you've come from or how broken it is. Every one of us has got a story. You may even have a dad in your house. I'm going to get transparent for a minute. I don't want to dishonor my dad because he's in heaven, and the last years of his life were amazing. He was spirit-filled. In fact, he moved my mom and my brother who had Down syndrome after they had retired from Virginia, moved him here, called me up and said, I'd like to be part of your church. Now, he wasn't saved for so many years, and he struggled with alcoholism for over 40 years. And growing up in my house was really tough. He was present, but he wasn't present. And when he was present, many times it was very scary. I remember nights sitting in my bed, afraid, hearing some of the arguments, wondering about how he was going to be, how he would sit me down when he was under the influence and tell me things about the war that had broken his heart, the men that had died. His dad left him when he was 11 years old, abandoned him, and ran off with another woman. My grandmother, as far as I know, never dated again, never remarried. She had to work until she was into her 70s, raised my father and my his older sister, my aunt, until my dad went off to war, World War II and Korea. And in Korea, he saw absolutely horrors of war, and on his nights when he was under the influence of alcohol, he sat me down, and he would relive those battles at the kitchen table with me. I could tell you the stories now because I'm not exaggerating. I've heard them four or 500 times. A broken man who, before they knew what PTSD was, trauma from death and murder and violence and war, and he was broken. He medicated his pain with alcohol. And I can remember the wonderful things he did, the the markers in my life. I remember at 12 years old, he took me out. I always wanted to go hunting with my dad. At 12 years old, he took me out. He took me to a hunter safety course, and I can tell you the same place. He bought me a shotgun, a 20-gauge single-shot shotgun. I can tell you the place and the location I shot my first rabbit with my dad. But then things got really rough, scary, broken. Abusive. Love him, can't understand it, crying in my bed, wondering. But my mom kept praying. My grandmother kept praying. One day my dad got saved. Then he got delivered. Took him three times, got delivered in the last years of his life. He came home, came down here, moved in, bought a house. Right down the road, I remember one day, he was sitting back here where Dwight is, and I did an altar call, and my dad came to the altar, and he said, son, pray for me. And I laid hands on my father, and he fell out in the Holy Ghost. Now, if you'd ever told me that one day I would pray for my father, he would receive the Holy Spirit, (sighs) what's the point? Every one of you have got a story. You may not know who your father is, or your mother. You don't know the circumstance. It's been scary. There may be sad, abusive things that have occurred in your life, things we can't understand, but I've got a good story for you to know. Take a look at the Scriptures. The message titled, The Father Heart of God. Now, look at these Scriptures. The first one there, the Lord, quote, is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, and He gives them joy. Psalm 68, 5 and 6. Every one of us has got a fatherless break in your heart. There's a place in your heart that there's a fatherless emptiness. The fathers, we have, they haven't figured, none of us are good and perfect fathers. We've got our broken places. So there's this fatherless hole in your heart. He says, I'm going to fill that. I'll be a father to the fatherless areas of your heart. Then he goes, those who are lonely, you may not have family. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've been in a place. I don't, I don't have anybody. He says, I will take you and I will place you in a family. Some of you have come and said, this is my family. This is where I find myself. Under A there, I said, what about the fathers that are absent or the mothers that are absent? Here's some three scriptures that talk about mothers and fathers who are not there. Or maybe they're there and they're... Some of the horrible, horrible stories I get told during inner healing prayer ministry of what parents have done. Because the devil is out to destroy families and destroy you. Under A there where it says, Psalm 2710 says, For my father... And mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. When your mother and father turn against you, or have forsaken you, or left you, God says, The Lord will take me up. Now this is very relevant or really good message, especially to those who've come from other nations. The reality is most of America's come from other nations just a few hundred years hence. Here's what it says He says, The Lord protects foreigners among you. The Lord protects. He cares for orphans and the widows. Psalm 146 9. Now, listen to what Jesus said just before he was taken up. Into heaven after the resurrection. There is enough room in my Father's house. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come get you. I will come to you. Now, some of you may feel orphaned in your heart or orphaned in your family or maybe not connected. Or maybe there's adults sitting here saying, I don't know if I feel connected anywhere. I'm telling you, if you will give your heart to the Lord, you'll find a place. Jesus said, "There's enough room in my Father's house." Under "be there," it's amazing. I, I I asked Google this one. I asked. it says, you know, the word "father" is used twelve hundred and fifty-six times in the Word. In this Bible, fathers are pretty important. "Fathers" is used five hundred and eighty-six times. You think he cares about the fatherhood and family? Yeah, he does. Here's the good news. And Jared was all over this this morning in the invitation and worship. Born-again believers are his children. That word, Abba, we sang, Abba, Father. Abba, Abba. Born-again believers, those who have actually given their hearts to the Father, you become adopted as his children. In fact, in the Roman culture, the adoption was stronger than biological birth. The rights of the adopted. So this place where it says, you've been adopted, When if you've ever gone through an adoption process, I've helped people with that. The adoption process, they look at the parents, they look, see how they are, and then they release that child to be part of that family. And then there's a legal document that's given. Well, your name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you have given your life to Christ, I pray that every one of our youth and everyone that sat here this morning, there isn't any question about who Christ is in your life. And if you're here and you're not sure, please come and see us after. We'd love to pray with you. But the moment that you say, I'm giving this up, I'm going with God, I'm surrendering my heart, there is, in fact, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation says there are books that are kept, plural, there's a book of life, and there's a book of works. And this is the moment when you truly surround, I'm not talking, well, I'll walk the aisle. Yeah, I'll give into to the pressure. Yeah, they call me. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm talking about those who said, I am giving my entire heart to Christ. I'm done with this. This stuff that's going on in the world, the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, the immorality, all that, I'm done with it to the place I'm going to Christ. When that happens, your name gets written. And guess what? It says your name can never be taken out of the book. That adoption process gives you the right to call to Abba anytime, anywhere. I had a woman I was praying with this week. She's had a lot of demonic activity, drugs in her life, brokenness. I won't go there. But it's an invited in demonic presences in her life. In the middle of the night, the demons came. They were sitting on her chest. She couldn't even breathe. She was crying out. Miss Addie and I were praying with her. She said, just call on Jesus. As soon as she did that, this thing lifted off in the presence. And then she says, we prayed with her. She got the gift of tongues filled with the Holy Spirit. She goes, now whenever I feel a demonic presence in my house, when my children start getting te- tormented, but I just start praying in tongues. And guess what, pastor? She was laughing was laughing at and said, they just leave. What is that? You have rights under Abba's name. He is the one who's in control of all things. And when his children, just like LJ was saying this morning, when his son was sick and he was like, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? I got up in the middle of the night. It doesn't I got to get to him. When you call Abba, he's there. But it's only to those who really know who he is. Question is, is he your daddy? Abba means in the in the Aramaic, Daddy. And I've listed the scriptures here. Under C, it says, born-again believers, those who belong to Christ, you have received his spirit, he adopted you as his own children. Now let that go into your heart for a minute. God the Father calls me His child. We talk a lot about it, but you need to let it go from your head to your heart. You need to let it get down in your spirit, man. I know who I belong to. I know who my Father is. I don't care what's happened in my past. That's been set free. I am free from that, and my Father is God the Father, and He is the one who watches out for me. Come on, when that gets down in your spirit, man, I don't care what fear. I don't care what's going on. Well, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I know somebody who knows where you're going and where you're coming from. It's him. Do you think LJ's little one knows what's going on? He doesn't know what's going on. My little two-year-old Gabriel, my grandson, he just, Papa, he runs to me. Now, does he get in trouble and... Like Jared was saying, man, I love them. I gotta discipline my little one, but they don't know what's going on half the time. Want to touch the hot stove? And sometimes they look at, <laughs> you been <better> not." <laughs> That's exactly what God does to us. Don't go there. Don't do. Anything. Sometimes you gotta get a little smack on the wrist. Don't go there. You can cry, Abba, Father. When I look back, who were the men that influenced my life? My father was not a spiritual man early on. My mom was. My mom and my grandmother. When I look at it, I didn't have very many spiritual men in my life. In fact, I had no grandfathers. I had no my 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 father's father ran off with another woman. He was involved in in masonry. He died at an early age of a blood aneurysm, killed him instantly. My mother's father was broken. He fought in World War I. I really never knew him. Met him a couple of times. So I looked back and said, Who were the godly men? Now, my dad helped me with my identity, taught me how to hunt. I love those things, taught me how to be a man, had good leadership skills. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Marines. But when I look at spiritually, I can only think of my mom and my grandmother with my spiritual leaders. And then there was a pastor. After my daughter got healed, Sarah sitting somewhere here, there she is in the back, after you know my story, after Sarah got healed at one years old, nine months old, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ. My wife had gotten saved before that, Catholic Charismatic Church meeting in upstate New York and rural Galway, New York. But after that, I started reading the Bible, and we moved. I worked for General Electric, and we started at the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, And Reverend Dropa, Reverend Charles Dropa, man, they taught the Word. He was a missionary. He and his wife, they lived into their late 90s. For six years, I sat under him, and he taught me the Word. Small little church, but he taught me the Word. I loved Pastor Charles and his wife. They were Word people. And then... I was a General Electric manager. He said, "Why don't you be one of my elders?" I said, "An elder? I'm, you know, twenty. I think I'm 28 or something. I'm like, elder? What? That was not a wise." But then I said, "Well, okay. Now I'm like, I gotta really, I gotta really read this word." And I messed up some things there as an elder and learned some things. And but I can see the spiritual fathering by a pastor. Some of you, if you look at it. Every one of us has someone who spiritually has either prayed for you, cared for you, or showed you the way. If you think and pray through it, my wife didn't have a really good relationship with her father. He was broken, but her grandfather, gross father from Germany, loved her, encouraged her, nurtured her. When you think about it, you'll find someone that stood in the gap as a spiritual parent to you somewhere or else you probably would not be sitting here today. There's a legacy of that. You want to honor those things, not focus on all the negatives, but focus on the ones. Now, I want to show you biblically, scripturally, about fathers. These applies to mothers as well. And if you do not, I want to speak to our youth. If you do not have a spiritual mom or dad that is helping you in this walk, I can tell you there's several sitting right here. And I offer this congregation, find someone that you relate to and let them pray over you and talk to you. Young men, you can come to our men's group. Monday night, 7 o'clock to 8.30, you can come to our men's group. And I guarantee you, there'll be some spiritual dads there. We get really real. We talk about the issues. And ladies, young ladies, you can go to Pursuit. I'm sure that Miss Jan, there are women in this congregation that will mentor you. You can pour your heart. You can tell them the truth about what's going on. Our leaders, we prayed through Miss Nicole, Miss Karina, LJ, Shara. We have prayed into these leaders. They're laying their lives down to help you. That's one of the reasons. They've been praying. That's why I'm speaking to you today. I know that for a fact. I want to show you scripturally fathers in the scriptures that had impact on people who some of them were so messed up or they didn't know where they were coming from they didn't have parents I listed under E spiritual fathers in the Bible and you can look at them and I'd encourage you to get your scriptures Elijah to Elisha In fact Elisha does twice as many of the miraculous things that his father and in 2 Kings there he says, my father, my father, just before Elijah is taken up, he calls out, my father, my father, look, the chariots of Israel, and he's taken up. We know that he was a spiritual father. How about Paul to Timothy? This is one of the ones that has some of the most scripture about spiritual sonship and fathers, and I've listed them there in Timothy. Peter to one of the young men, John Mark, who messed up a mission trip and actually Paul got angry at him. But later we see that Peter calls Mark his son in the spirit. How about this? Paul to the whole church at Corinth. He was a spiritual father to the entire church at Corinth. He says this, you have many teachers to teach you about Christ, but you only have one spiritual father. Let's turn to this one. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3 in verse 21. Luke's gospel in chapter 3, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're moving in on the Christmas story soon, and this one follows on after the birth of Christ. Before Jesus, now look at this, Jesus, we don't know a whole lot about, we know about Jesus' birth. We know that at age 12, He kind of, they go to Jerusalem for one of the festivals, and there's a whole caravan of families that go, it's kind of like a church outing, they all go to the temple. And Jesus decides to stay and talk to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders in the temple. Three days into it, his mother and father realize on their way home back to Galilee, where's Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus the last three days? Now, if you're 12, can you imagine this? Like, you know, wow. where? And, you know, they thought, so they go back. Can you imagine? They make the journey back, a couple of days back to Jerusalem, and they find Jesus sitting in the temple talking to the religious leaders. And his mama's about had it. She goes, how could you do this to us, she actually says. Because didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? He knew who his father was, but he also knew he needed to honor his earthly father and mother. And it's believed that shortly after this, his earthly father, Joseph actually probably was not in the picture, probably had died. But here's what happens. Before Jesus starts his ministry at age 30, God the Father has to affirm, has to tell him who he is. So, look at that, Luke chapter 3, and let's look in verse 21. One day, the crowds were being baptized, and Jesus Himself was baptized. As He was praying, the heavens opened. Literally, that means, in Isaiah 64, 1, the heavens were torn. In the Greek, it says, literally, heaven was torn open. At that moment, as soon as Jesus goes in the water, John the Baptist, he comes out, heaven is ripped open, and the Father now speaks. And those that are there, can you imagine me in a, in a baptismal place, and all of a sudden you hear, from heaven, these words? A voice from heaven, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Come on, get a thought on that a minute. All of a sudden, you hear from heaven, all the people that are watching Jesus getting baptized, they hear this, whoa, and they see what they say and look like a dove. It's almost like spirit in bodily form comes down and lands on where Jesus is coming out of the water, and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might ask, well, wasn't the Son of God filled with the Holy Spirit before? Man, I all I'll tell you is what it says, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And then look look on, it says, the father declares, I love this young man. He's my dearly loved son, and I'm so pleased in him. Hadn't done anything yet. He's been working in the carpenter shop. He's 30 years old. Now his identity is totally revealed to the creation and all those lists, and he begins. And look at verse. This is a wild verse. It says in verse twenty-three, he says he was thirty years old, and he began his public ministry. Verse one of chapter four. lists, It's so important. You know how big and how important family is. Look at all the verses from then on. Joseph was the son of Matthias. Matthias the son of Amos. And Naam the son of No. 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 And go down. It's like whoa. Verse 32, David was the son of Jesse, King David. Jesus was in the lineage of David. That's a prophetic word. But they wanted to, and Obed was the son of Boaz, and goes on and says, and then Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, all the way back to Adam. You think God's into family? He recorded it. Do you think he knows who your family is and what you generate? He knows everything about you. And then in verse 1 it says, then... Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus, then, full of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why we really encourage water baptism? And you know why we encourage and actually almost demand Holy Spirit baptism? Because you can't do this without it. You can't do this life. You will fall. There isn't anyone strong enough without the presence of the Holy Spirit, baptism of power and fire in your life. So once you figure out, I'm in the book and I love you, you're my Abba, Lord, it says you can ask him, and it's in Luke's gospel, chapter 11. Matter of fact, I wasn't going to go there, but let's go. Just turn a few pages to the right. Look at Luke 11 because this deals with fathers This is about prayer. If you ever had a prayer that you're wondering, well, Lord, when are you ever going to answer it? This deals with prayer, but I love how it goes. Luke 11, verse 9, and I tell you, this is Jesus, red letter, I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. I'm talking to somebody right now. You've been, like, discouraged. When are you going to ever answer my prayer? Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking. The door will open. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. In fact, in Revelation 3.10, he says, Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And if you will open the door of your heart, he'll come in and sup with you. He'll have supper with you. Look at this. Let's keep going. Verse 31 says, uh, verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful fathers, you sinful people, you know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Evil fathers, they do their best. They may be okay, or they may be really deadbeat losers in this world. But this book says the Father, if you'll ask Him, He'll give you the Holy Spirit, which is the greatest gift. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because that Holy Spirit will be your guide. It says He's a comforter. He's the teller of the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. So when you're sitting there and there's temptation coming at you, somebody's telling you, why don't you light up and have a joint. Come on, let's do this. Let's go in the back seat of the car. No. This is where the Holy Spirit says, stop. And if you'll pay attention to the small voice of God saying, please, don't do this. There's a consequence to what you're about to do. Oh, well, you know, you can do it. Everybody else is doing it. Oh, Really? You want me to tell you the number of people that have been sitting in jail, started with marijuana, started on something else, and ended up either pregnant, drunk, drugged, overdosed? I'm not praying with another family member with a dead child. I'm not doing it. This is a time where the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom, and we could line up people who have walked through this struggle and trials and tribulation and tell you, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I didn't know any better. Man, I knew better, but I just ran. This book says the Holy Spirit will be given if you'll ask. And that baptism of the love of God will keep you. Let's look at a couple of amazing leaders that started out with a mess. I want you to turn with me to the book of Esther. So go to the left. The book of Esther, as I was meditating this week on this book, you may know the story. Esther became a queen, but she didn't begin that way. In fact, I've listed there under one. See where it says F1 there? Amazing godly leaders that did not have biological fathers, so God provided them one, and they became powerful in the kingdom. I want you to know this about Esther. She was an orphan. In fact, you talk about somebody that ought to have an issue with life. Israel is dragged off into exile, and her parents are killed. They're conquered. She's the wrong race. She's a Jew in a Gentile world. She is trapped in sex slavery of her day. She's hated for racism, and she's hated for her gender. So she's got it all going. She's an orphan. She's a female. She's trapped in sex slavery, and she's of the wrong race. She's a Jew. Somebody ought to have an issue. But here's what God does. He takes an older cousin, Mordecai, and it says... He raises her as his own daughter. Look at Esther chapter 2 with me. Let's look at verse 7. Well, let's look at verse 5. It says, Esther 2.5, it says, At that time there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jer. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, was a descendant of Kish and Shimri. His family had been among those with King Jehoiakim of Judah. They'd been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Now, I want you to see, in those days, it was crazy. Certainly not what the Bible says. Bible says, let every man have his own wife and let every wife have her own husband. If we would do that, how many things would be solved in this world, right? That's another subject. But let's, let's look at this. It says, the king got mad at the other queen. She didn't, uh, she didn't submit to him. So Vashti, the queen, is set aside. So they're looking for, the king wants to have a lot of young women, So they search for all the young virgins throughout the land. Now, here's where sex slavery comes in. He quickly ordered special, uh, go and search for all the young women to be brought to the king harem. The harem was a collection of all the young women. And so Esther is rounded up, and she's brought to the harem. And they take a year making her beautiful, giving her all these body treatments, all this stuff's going on. Esther in verse 10 says she didn't tell anyone the nationality or her family background because her older, Mordecai, her father, told her not to do so. Before each of the young women were taken to the king's bed, verse 12, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments, six months with myrrh followed by six months with special perfumes and, ornament, and ointments. When it was time, probably ornaments too, Earrings and all that good stuff, right? When was it time for her to go to the king's palace? She was then given a choice of whatever jewelry she wanted to wear. That evening, she was taken to the king's private room, and the next morning, she was brought to the second harem where the king's wives lived. There, she would be under the care of a king's eunuch in charge of the concubines. She would never go to the king again unless he had specially enjoyed her and requested her by name. I want you to get a picture of this. He rounds up all these young women. You may have one night with the king and then the rest of your life you sit unmarried, tarnished for the rest of your life. You talk about sex slavery? Not right. That junk is still going on today. It's just dressed up by the, the Antichrist in another way. Sex slavery is wicked. It's evil. The abuse, and that's but that's what was going on this day. I want you to see Esther... Could have had issues in her life. Her parents are gone. She's trapped. She's in this place, but God shows favor. God has a plan. She does. She submits. She doesn't tell that she's a Jew. She does. She does. And then it comes out. God's got a plan within the plan. There's a wicked character named Amon, He's the prime minister under the king, he says, I'm going to kill every Jew, and I hate Jews, I hate Mordecai, and I'm going to kill all of them. Well, just happens that Mordecai happens to hear of a plot of an assassination, and he warns the king, leaders, and the king is set free from an assassination attempt, but they forget to recognize that Mordecai saved the king's life. Just so happens, this is how God works, Esther's now in place... She spent a night with the king, and the king is really like, wow, what is he attracted to? He's attracted to the spirit that is on her life. She may be beautiful, but there's the spirit that's on her life. God's put a spirit on her. That touch of God is part of God's plan for every life that's here. He finds favor, she finds favor. One night the king can't sleep, so he says, Man, I'm just like, get me somebody to read to me. And they start reading the history books of the kingdom, and they come across an assassination attempt against his life that just so happened to be stopped by this guy named Mordecai. What did we ever do? King says, Wakes up and he says, What did we do for Mordecai? Because we didn't do anything. He goes, what? The guy saved my life. Just so happens he's the stepfather, right, of Esther, who he also likes. The rest of the story is in the plot to kill all the Jews, Esther is always presented with a choice. You youth are presented with a choice. There will be circumstances that will come across your life that will be defining moments. I've sat with young men and young women who made a bad choice, got pregnant, did drugs, broke into a house, stole stuff, stole this you can torpedo your life in a way that sets you in a course that you don't want to go down. Sin will take you where you don't want to go. It'll make you pay more than you want to pay, and it'll keep you there longer than you want to stay. But it comes down to a choice. And in this case, Esther could have taken a back seat and said, I don't want to get make myself known. I don't want to trust that I can turn this whole thing around and save the Jews. I'm in the palace and Mordecai, don't you think for one moment the devil ain't going to kill you also? And what does Esther say he says, "If I die, I die. I'll go before the king. So, hey, this is wisdom. She probably prayed. Mordecai's praying. they fast for three days. If you not start fasting yet, young people start fasting and praying. Ask God. You can fast TV, you, can fast. you could fast your phone. Hallelujah. That'd be a real fast for some of us, right? That'd be a fast. Start fast. Asking God, what, what, are we, what do you want to speak to me about, God? Well, she fasts for three days, and this is what the Lord tells her. The king, I want you to prepare a banquet for the king. Invite all of his gang, the whole. I want to honor the king. So here's the new queen. She does this amazing banquet. She gets all the best of the best. The king eats that and says, what are you up to, queen? I know you're up to something. Come back in a few more days. I got another banquet. Does another banquet. Probably bigger. Comes a, queen, I know you're up to something. He says, all right, queen. Queen Esther, here, touch my scepter. That had power in it. I'll give you half my kingdom. Tell me what you want. In that fast, it broke the spirit over this thing. And he says, I want my people saved. Haman has plotted to kill all of the Jews. And the king goes, wild, you're going to kill my my queen? Oh, no, you're not. You're going to kill Mordecai? No, you're not. He's the guy who saved my life. And Haman hangs himself, gets hung on the same thing he was going to kill all the Jews with. I want you to see, here's this young woman who started with nothing, trapped in all sorts of stuff. God raises her up to save her people and to save her family one more Josiah turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 22 2 Kings 22 We got a Josiah in the house All right we got Josiahs This is another amazing testimony I want you to see in if you look at ver- in chapter 21 so 2 Kings 21 and 22 you can read this this week but 21, 22, and 23 are an amazing set of stories. I'll just quickly for time. We only got a few minutes left. Josiah has a wicked grandfather. I'm talking one of the worst of the worst. He's into witchcraft. He takes children and sacrifices them. In fact, he took one of his sons and put him in a fire so that the demon idols would give him favor. Talk about witchcraft. That was the abortion of their day, the spirit of Molech. Manasseh, who's ruling Judah in chapter 21, he worships idols, brings witchcraft in. In verse 6, Manasseh had sacrificed his own son to the fire. He practiced sorcery, consults with mediums and psychics. If any of you are on horoscopes, Harry Potter, witchcraft, you ought to stop all that trash right now. Deuteronomy 10 says this, do not... He says, "Teach your people. Do not let them be involved in forms of sorcery, mediums, psychics." It's an—he hates it. Go look at it. Deuteronomy eighteen ten. You can look it up. Deuteronomy eighteen ten. Tell your people not to. Oh well, we got all the past here being a little weird. No, all these movies that are on right now with mediums and psychics and it, that stuff comes. The power comes from the underworld. It has power. I've done deliverance on them but Jesus is greater. But don't open the door because you will pay a price. You will pay a price. Your children will pay a price. Back to the subject. This guy is wicked. He's done he's brought in. So here you got grandfather who's done everything. They brings in prostitution, homosexuality into the church. Closes the church up in such wickedness. He rules and reigns for 55 years, King Manasseh. Then his son Amon is, is starts to rule, verse 19. And Amon's just as wicked and in fact he does everything his father did. It says in the scripture says Manasseh murdered innocent people, verse 16. Innocent blood was throughout Jerusalem. Then Amon rules Tw- two, 22 years old he becomes king, verse 20. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight as his father Manasseh had done. He follows the example of his father, worshiping idols. He abandoned the Lord to the God of his ancestors, and he refused to follow the Lord's ways. Well, here's what happens when you don't follow the Lord's ways. Within two years, he's assassinated. He's murdered. Guess what happens? Chapter 22, enter Josiah. Eight years old, he becomes a king. Now, you know he's got help. Mama, he's got spiritual leaders that are helping him, but at eight years old, you're ruling, but look at what I love, verse 2. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Wow. He walked in the way of David, his father doesn't even mention Manasseh, his grandfather, or Amon, his father. His father, David, this is generations before. Your lineage, I don't care where you've been, you've got somebody spiritually in your family back there. You may not even know who they are. But that legacy of who you are, or maybe you're the beginning one. Here's what God does. At 26 years old, verse 3, it came to pass on his 18th year as king, Josiah sent, that the king sent Saphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, the scribe of the house of the Lord, saying, Go to the high priest Hilca, Hilkiah and bring the money that they've collected and start to build, rebuild the house, restore the house. Let me cut the story short because we're out of time. Here's what he does. At, from 8 to 26, we don't know much about, but he's getting some spiritual insight probably from one of the spiritual fathers in his life, or maybe a spiritual mother. And all of a sudden, at 26, he says, I want you to take some money, and I want you to go restore the temple. Now, it had been closed down for 57 years, being used for all sorts of immorality, broken shrine prostitution. It was wicked. They got witchcraft. You come in and you worship Baal and Asherah. It's just like... The wicked and God the Father just about had enough. What does He do? He sends money and Hilka the high priest. Can you imagine being the high priest of Israel? They don't even know there's a Bible. Now that's pretty wild. So they start cleaning up the church. They take this. this is in another translation, uh, in another book in Chronicles. It says they unlock the front door of the church, Right? They go in there start cleaning. So you can imagine there's dust and debris and all sorts of aisles. They start cleaning it all up. And the high priest comes back one day and says, I found a book in, in the temple. He goes, and the king says, well, really, what, read me the book. Starts reading him the scrolls from Moses. And the king is overtaken. He's, he's 26 years old. He goes, my God, we have violated what God has told us. And he tears his clothes and he gets down on his face and he's crying out, Oh my God, God should punish us. Well, there's a prophetess. See, God's always got his people in the right places. It says, verse 11 of chapter 22, When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He gave orders to the high priest. Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and all of Judah. See, he starts intercession. The high priest is in the place of responsibility as a lead intercessor for the people. Go and start praying for us. What does he do? He then sends, he says, Go to the prophetess. Verse 14 Hilkah the priest sends her to the prophetess Hilda. She was the wife of Shulam, the son of Tikva, son of Haras, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. See, God, she's the keeper of the clothes. But she's a prophetess. God's got his people stuck in the right places. So they go and the king knew it. So they go and they said, and here's what the prophetess says. She says to them, the Lord thy God of Israel has spoken. Go back and tell the man who sent you. Disaster will come on this city and its people. And all the words that are written in the scroll that the king of Judah has read will come true for my people have abandoned me, offered sacrifices to pagan gods, and I am very angry at them for having done this. But my anger will burn against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him this, this is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the message you just heard. You were sorry. Humbled yourself before the Lord, heard what I said against this city and its people. The land is cursed and will become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept in my presence. And I have indeed heard what the Lord says. So I will not send this disaster until after you have been dead and buried in peace. Then disaster will come. You go on and you read the rest of this story. You know what he does? I love I love this guy. He goes to all the temple worship where all of the idols and all of the immorality, and he turns one of them into a public toilet. Can you imagine that? That means every day they're in there going, you know, that's that's for you, devil, right? I don't want to be graphic, but you know, I just I just you just gotta love it. You just gotta love it, right? He defiles it. He tears it down. He burns it. He grabs the mediums and psychics. He has them killed. He burns their bones, and he takes their bones and their ashes, and he pours it on them, which is a defilement. This is what happens to those who worship the devil. And God is pleased with Josiah. He restores. He then opens up again the Passover. They celebrate the Passover. God is asking, where are the Josiahs of your generation? Where are the Esters of your generation? Some of them are sitting here. You're the ones. So I want to finish here this morning that I just have good news for you. You are not alone. G, in your, out, in your outline, G says, you are not alone. If you will go after God with all that's in you, Here's what he says in 2 Chronicles. I love this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord are just looking. Where's Josiah? Where's Esther? Where are they? This generation, you guys face a lot harder stuff than maybe many of us did. This is a wicked time. Church attendance is down all-time low. All the hypocrisy, the hatred that's going on, we're in a really wicked season. We need, we, we, to pass this torch, we need the Josiahs and the Esther of this generation to be known, to stand up. So, you know what, I'm not compromising. Yeah, there's a lot of folks going off the deep end. You mark my words. You know people that have opened the door to immorality, to drugs, and all sorts of lawlessness. They will end up in prison or dead. Unless God comes, you're the ones that have to stand in a gap. And you'll be the ones that God will use. Could be one person. It could be a group. It could be whole cities. There are world changers that are in this group. I know it. I've, I've seen them. I, the, the Lord's already prophesied. There are world changers. We see them in the nations. Our 204 churches overseas, I have met the orphans in Nepal and India. Now they are bilingual. They're many, we have graduated 10 of our women from Bible college. Some are after master's degrees in India and in Nepal. Unheard of in the caste system. They're bilingual, spirit-filled. I've sat with them. I've prayed with them. mom and I have cried with them. God is raising them up to touch entire nations. They're now going to Myanmar. They're into Delhi. They're, they're marrying pastors. They're, they're going to be the torch carriers. And all we are is the ones that help platform them. So when you give a little gift to Christmas to Nepal and India, you are investing in the lives. They don't get much. But I'll tell you what, they're not orphans. They're treasures. Why don't we all stand to our feet? I want to ask the Lord to just, if you'll just close your eyes for a few moments. Lord, I thank you that you have entrusted with us young people, many from different nations. God, you have said in the book of Psalms too, ask me and I will give you the nations as my inheritance. I have a grandson, part Mozambican, the adopted grandson of Heidi Baker. When I asked him, Lord, give us the inheritance as a nation, I didn't know he would literally do those kind of things. I have, a, I have two Spanish, Mexican descent grandchildren. I have English-born grandchildren. God has a God of many coats that are colored. <laughs> Black, white, Spanish, Asian. God is after the nations. So, Lord, I pray now that you would cut these families free from an orphan mentality, an orphan thinking. They are not abandoned and they're not alone. God is looking to raise them up. I want to ask the ministry team if you're here, you know who you are, you're trained, part of our house. If you'll come to the front. And if you're here, the ministry team and youth, I want to invite, if you're here this morning and you don't know God, if you were to die this evening and you don't know where you're going, you need your name written in the book of life. I've had people leave the service and they're dead before morning. It's a... It's a reality. None of us knows how much time we have. Don't leave here having heard the message and the invitation and not give your life to Christ. Rededicate your life to Christ. Say, look, I'm done with the compromise. I can't come to church, smile, and then smoke weed and dope, do these things immorally, go on porn, do porn sites. No, that's not the way it works. God is after a people that are righteously in pursuit of him. Surrender your hardships, those places that you battle, the seducing places of your life, and let God have your heart. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. So come, and the altar's open. Don't ask Karina.
2: I know this is the word for us this morning, and I believe there are many among us, and even though we're focusing on the youth, I believe it's a call today. And it's really up to you. It takes your answer. It takes your decision. And you might not be ready. You might feel like you just want to not be here at all. It might be a bottle inside of your heart. But we're calling into the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Because it is up to you to answer to that call. Whatever that is holding you back, no one else is going to answer to that call but you. So maybe you have already received Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you have already experienced being fulfilled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm looking straight at your eyes to some of you. No, you are in a bottle. You are a son and a daughter. And that absence of a father, that lack, that hurt, that pain, that tragedy is trying to hold you back. But that thing that you have endured, that thing that you have lost... Is actually the platform if you only surrender, if you only exchange with Him. He is your Father. He has actually intentionally formed you in your mother's womb. You're not an accident. And it was the people's choice that have maybe led you to experience her. Pain, loneliness, disappointment, anger. It wasn't God coming and taking that away from you. But it's going to take your choice. So we encourage you to please do not leave today. This is not only for youth. I'm standing here because I have lost a lot too. But it continued to be my choice to stand here for family. It is my choice because I believe in family. Even when my husband left
0: me, it is my choice to let him be my husband. It is my choice to stand here and say, he is a father to my daughter. It is my choice to say, it is I give this to you because I did not choose that someone else have chose this but I'm experiencing the pain and the hurt I am not far from what you're going through and I'm not standing here because I got it all together I'm standing here because he is my father. I'm standing here because he is my husband. I'm standing here because I constantly lean on him. And there's no different between you and me. It's none. Yes. But it's going to take you and only you. I cannot take that step from you. You cannot take that step from me. So if you're here today and you're not sure, but you're tired, you're tired, you don't have to do this alone. You don't, you're not alone. With a dad or without a dad, with a mama or without a mom, with more siblings or with less siblings, with whatever that is, you are not alone. I pray right now Holy Spirit open their eyes so they can see who's standing on the side of them pray right now Holy Spirit open their eyes so they can see help them push them push them so they can take that step right now because this is you calling on them this is you calling them by name by last name You didn't come from Honduras, from Mexico, from Guatemala, for whatever that place you've been, or from that neighborhood across the street. It is not a coincidence that you're here right now. It is not a coincidence that you right now are battling to get out of this building. It's a fight inside of you because the spirit is calling out right now. It is your spirit. So I speak right now that you will stand, you will take a step, and you will come to the front and say, Jesus, Jesus, I let you in, Holy Spirit, come be my Father. brokenness i give my addiction i give my loneliness i give my depression i give my anxiety i give cotton i give it to you i give it to you because this is not me and i choose To stand here, so if that's you right now, uh, please ask you take a step, take a step, take a step, not for anyone else, but for yourself. You might be a mother, you might be a father in the house, you might be a grandparent, you might be a leader. We all need it. We all need it. So it is the Holy Spirit calling out to
2: you right now. And I take that step and I say, yes, here's my brokenness, here's my inability, here it is, and I give it to you. And it's an exchange this morning, and the Holy Spirit is exchanging with you. And if you choose not to come, I will stand here in faith for you. I'm standing right here in faith. I take that step for you. And I will stand here.